Welcome to the TurfNet Renovation Report, brought to you by Golf Preservations and the Andersons. I'm Anthony Piop, your host. Joining me is Mike Mantha. He's the golf course superintendent at Midland Hills Country Club in Roosevelt, Minnesota, which is just east of Minneapolis. Welcome to the show, Mike. Good to talk to you, Tony, as always. Um, you know, you, you just got some fantastic press in uh, golf.com about the restoration, and, and you made news just about three years ago when you found the original Seth Rayner plans for your golf course. You just underwent a Jim or Beaner restoration slash renovation. Um, but I don't want to talk about architecture today, which is stunning. Yeah, but we, I want to talk we, we about... can talk about that all day. <laughs> we have. Yeah. So, so what I want to talk about is kind of the, the nuts and bolts and the nitty gritty of, from your point of view, of going through this process of how it starts. And what I really want to know is how you pick your architect. Tell me about irrigation. Tell me about picking your bunker sand. You know, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So if you sure. want to start, to tell, give a little background about how the course had changed over the years, and then, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the evolution of the golf course is no different than any um, classic golf course. You know, overplanted with trees in the 50s, all the features and corridor shrink. Um, being in Minneapolis, uh, winter kill is an issue. Um, repeated winter kills from shade is, is kind of what leads to the, the beginnings of tree removals. Um, they're basically based on, uh, plant health. And then it kind of starts to slowly evolve for Midland Hills into, wow, you know, all of a sudden you can remove some trees and then you can start to recapture some of these vistas and see how how great the, the piece of land is um, that kind of evolves into, you know, getting more aggressive. And um, I start in 2010 and I immediately start preaching about, you know, how important Seth Rayner is to, to the history and um, to the culture of the club. And, you know, there's, there's a small audience there, but it's, but it's not, uh, it's, it's definitely not the majority and we slowly chip away and start, you know, I start searching through the club minutes and, um, just slowly start to educate members on, you know, on history really, um, and how important history is and how, how, you know, it's easily forgotten. And, um, you know, we slowly at the committee level start to discuss, um, more and more of how we improve the golf course, but maybe maybe even more so of kind of how we've gotten to the point where we, where we didn't have a whole lot of Seth Rayner. And us being um, in the part of the country where there's not a lot of Rayner to go, you know, just let's let's go hop in the car and go see some Rayner. I mean, you got to make an effort to, to go find some um, Rayner that's restored that's true. So it's hard to compare what you have to what, what you, what you should have. Um, so we, we take another step forward and, and we start to start to discuss, you know, kind of options like where would we start? How would we do it? Um, what are, what's the priorities? Let's make a list. What would be the budget? And these are, you know, this goes back five, six, seven years ago where these discussions start. 
and they evolve and some things gain steam and some do not. Um, and then at some point, um, I sit down and have a, a legitimate conversation with my general manager. And I say, I think, I think now is the time we need to bring in an expert and, um, really give us their opinion on where we're at and what it would take. You know, it's, it's a harmless, uh, it's a harmless interview and let's, let's just bring in somebody and, and see what, what the, what the result is. Um, so we discuss, um, we discuss a couple of architects and, uh, Jim's name kind of came to the top, um, for several reasons. Uh, you know, I knew I had met Jim a couple of years prior and kind of kept a a nice relationship with him just discussing architecture and maintenance and I mean just simple things like mowing lines and presentation and he was always really um, generous with his time and sharing information and was never pre- never pressured me to bring him on so we decided to bring him bring him in just to, to to see if he was interested well we asked him if he was interested first he said yeah absolutely love to come out he had seen the golf course before when he was working with Renaissance and they were working at White Bear Yacht Club and he had seen it in the early nineties. And he, (laughs) funny story, he said he pulled into the parking lot and he pulled up to the clubhouse and he's like, I didn't even get out of my car. I just drove right back. And (laughs) I left because he already knew that there was, you know, there's so many trees planted. You couldn't even see any, you couldn't see anything. I mean, it was just, it, it was a jungle. Um, so you know, and, and over the years, I had shared pictures with him of kind of some of the tree work we were doing and some of the in-house stuff that we were doing, straightening out mowing lines of fairways and getting rid of all the squiggles and doing some expansions in-house. Um, so anyway, he, he decides to come in and, um, you know, we basically, we basically just like, you tell us how you'd like to do it. And he said, well, let's just do a tour. Let's all jump in carts and spin around the golf course and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think. Um, and this is probably 2016, 2000, that was probably 2015, 2015, 2016. Right. Right. Um, you know, and after the tour, we, we all head to the boardroom and sit down and kind of just discuss, um, what his, um, what his opinions are and what, what he sees would be the strengths and, you know, not really pressuring of, well, exactly what would you change? You know, that you can't just tour a golf course for two hours and 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 know those things. Um, he probably did, but he didn't want to share them. Um, and then it just kind of evolved to, you know, if we're going to do this, how, how, what's the right time and how do we do it? You know, what's, what's best receptive to the, to this membership and, uh, you know, we need to create a budget. Right. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, when you start from scratch and you figure, well, how much do we want to spend? I mean, that's, that's hard because you don't, you don't know the scope of work. Um, right. Right. So, so these conversations take time. Um, and I'm glad they took time because we, we had the, we had the time to really think through it and to, you know, come up with, what we thought was a solid plan of, of, you know, this is, this is what we want to do. Um, 
now we just need to find the right time to do it. Um, so you fast forward to, you know, 2018 and, and we officially announced that we're, that we're going to move forward with this master plan, um, implementation. And we, we choose 2020 as the date. Um, we wanted to give the membership enough time to, you know, decide if they wanted to, to stay or they wanted to, you know, I, I guess you just, the, the common courtesy was just to give them as much time as possible. 2020 comes and, you know, there's a pandemic on our hands and it's a serious, it's a serious uh, scare for us as far as we've got all the contractors lined up. Um, we've got basically everything lined up and now can we, can we actually do it? I mean, can we lawfully even bring that many people on site? Um, you know, the, the spring of 2020, we couldn't legally even play golf. So uh, there was a little bit of scrambling and a little bit of, you know, let's hurry up and wait. Um, the contractors had other work that they were, that they probably could secure and, and they were kind of waiting on us. Even, you know, we who, had this planned. Who so, was your contractor? Uh, we used Hartman construction. They're a local okay. firm. Um, the clubs had a fantastic relationship with them for multiple decades. Um, and you know, they, they've, they were, they, their phones were ringing. Like people wanted to, clubs wanted to spend money and complete some, projects and Hartman was you know kind of like well what are you guys going to do sure you know, we're kind of sure. waiting for you to decide what you're going to do we've we've committed to you um so I mean there was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot there was a period of of a, a few weeks for sure if not a month where I thought the project's dead in the water it's just not going to happen with you know COVID's just uh it's just going to take its toll and, and we're going to have to, we're going to have to put it off, which, you know, when you, when you plan for multiple years to, to start a project on a specific date, um, and then that's in jeopardy, you know, you're just like, Oh man, I don't want to go through this process all over again. Um, because it, it just, everything has to fall into place, um, to pull something like this off. Fortunately for us, you know, on our membership side, um, there's a lot of clubs locally that had had done some regrassing, um, so they needed reciprocals. Well, 2020 was when we were going to get those reciprocal rounds back, so it worked. It it was going to work out really, really well for us. Fast forward, you know, everything kind of just fell into place. Um, we did start the project in July on our on our scheduled date, and um, you know, it it, it the pandemic kind of altered what we did as far as, you know, social distancing and masks and um, some safety protocols. But it became really, really apparent really quickly that it was going to be difficult to socially distance when you're in the middle of a construction project. <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if you're, yeah. if you're, if your hands and your, and your heads are in trenches and, and you're, you're, digging out bunkers. Um, 
installing drainage and irrigation, I mean, it's, it's extremely hard. You know, you're obviously working outside, which is a huge benefit. Um, but it definitely, definitely created some, some challenges. Somehow we got through the entire project, uh, 114 days of construction and we didn't have one case of COVID. So we, uh, now, did you, did you take it upon yourself or was there somebody that you had to make sure that people were wearing masks, whether they were your guys or, or the construction company or irrigation or anything like that? No, we didn't. We, you know, since we were outside, um, we kind of just left it up to the, each individual to, um, to wear a mask, um, whenever they felt necessary. Um, and you know, if, if you were in a cart together, you were probably wearing your buff and your mask. Um, if you were side by side laying sod, you were probably wearing a mask. So, um, yeah, we didn't have anybody, anybody managing it, but just, you know, really preaching, just use common sense and, um, you know, think about safety of, of others. So, um, just a lot of communication, right. what it really boiled down to. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Um, one of the things I wanted to, you're talking about the master plan, you guys did not go a hundred percent new irrigation system, right? Correct. We, so everything that was touched, um, you know, specifically I can just scroll through them. Greens, you know, greens, we expanded almost by an acre. So, you know, almost every green had irrigation work that needed, you know, the loops need to be relooped. Um, every T was rebuilt. So obviously, and a lot of, most of the T's were lowered to, you know, a foot above grade. Um, a lot of, a lot of T's were relooped. Um, fairway expansions, you know, we, we expanded fairways by over five acres and, and luckily we already had a three row system. Um, what is so we, the system? We have a Toro system. So it's Yasmac, uh, with links control. Fortunately, we, fortunately we didn't have to, to reloop any fairways. Um, okay. And then all, all right. the bunkers were rebuilt and then we added, we added 16 bunkers to the golf course, um, restored 16 bunkers. So a total of 50 bunkers and every bunker was, was re-irrigated. It had its own independent irrigation before. Um, but we didn't, you know, as far as irrigation of bunkers, it was very, very, it's a very primitive setup. Um, just rescom pop-ups. Um, we chose, I chose to, to, we sodded the, the faces of the bunkers with fescue, a fine fescue blend. So really once they're grown in, um, I'm hopeful that we don't have to use a whole lot of irrigation on the bunkers at all. Was there ever a discussion to, to go with a new system? With an entirely nah, new system? Not really. I mean, our system was installed in 2005. So, okay. you know, 15 years old, um, I didn't think it was necessary. Um, so, it, you know, it was briefly discussed of what it would cost. Um, and at this time it was, we didn't want to spend an additional you know, one and a half to $2 million on irrigation. We'd rather spend all that money on, you know, recap, recapturing the infrastructure and in, in the Seth Rayner um, architecture. All right, so let's do this, Mike. Let's take a quick break uh, for a word from our sponsor, and uh, we'll be right back. Introducing Genesis RX575, a comprehensive fertility and soil amendment product from the Andersons, specifically developed for construction, renovation, aerification, sprigging, sodding, and seeding. 
This blend of dispersing granule, DG, components provides the most comprehensive fertilizer the Andersons has ever offered, with the goal of providing a single product solution designed to save time and application and reduce fertility program complexity. For a limited time, take advantage of a special introductory offer. For more information on Genesis RX575, visit startwithgenesis.com. From green strainage to sod work, Golf Preservations can handle your project with ease and give you the peace of mind to know the professionals are caring for your valuable golf course assets. Visit GolfPreservations.com or call 606-499-2732 to talk to us directly about your next project. Okay, we're back on the TurfNet Renovation Report. My guest today is Mike Manthe, who is the superintendent at Midland Hills Country Club in Roseville, Minnesota. And we're talking about the recently completed restoration renovation. Um, tell me about, because I know this is always a contention with members, tell me about selecting bunkers. <laughs> yeah. Are they hazards anymore? <laughs> you know, no, I don't think, no. <laughs> um, if Urbina had his way, we would have, you know, we would have put the worst sand we could possibly find back in them. <laughs> you know, he wanted he wanted them to, to be inconsistent and um, and wild and free. And that's just not how golf played America these days, right? I mean, we, this is no secret to your listeners. I mean, uh, a lot of support for this project kind of hung on the balance of improving the the bunker sand, um, and. For me, I didn't want to fight that. I mean, this is their golf course. If they want to spend money on new bunker sand, that's that's their prerogative. Um, you know, one of the, I guess for me, um, maintenance-wise, our old bunker sand was just a just a local mason sand. Um, we had issues with it. It was it's very round in shape, and you know, it would blow out out of the bunkers. It build up on the faces. Um, you know, one of the biggest complaints we had was was inconsistencies of, of lies which mostly stem from you know the, the dreaded fried egg um and our bunker faces we knew going into this this restoration project the bunker faces would get steeper uh, they got much steeper um some of them got deeper um so we, we you know we did want to improve that that uh, experience for the membership. So um, we used uh, what's called the best signature blend. It's a 50-50 mix of the crushed and angular. Um, you know, it's got the the whitish color, which again, Jim wasn't wasn't a huge fan of. But uh, right, you know, there's there's battles that you just you ch you choose to battle, and some you you choose not to. Um, so yeah, they got the they got their fancy sand. And where where was the sand from? Was it local? It's it's Ohio, yeah. So the you know the issue for for us um, is is the shipping cost. So it's got to get barged from Ohio up to Duluth, and then from Duluth it's got to get trucked down from Duluth. You know, a, a three hour drive south to Minneapolis. So you know the the shipping cost is just as much as the sand. So um, it's definitely an investment. Um, but yeah, what did you do with the old sand? You know, there really there really wasn't much sand left, Tony, in the bunkers. Um, I tried to keep them pretty lean and, and, and thin just to minimize some of those fried egg lies. So a lot of the times uh, the shapers would just incorporate the sand and, do, um, and mix it into the surrounding soil. 
when they rebuilt the new bunkers. Did you go with a bunker liner? We did not. You know, um, we did not have a bunker liner before this project. Our bunkers were rebuilt by Hartman in, in the early 2000s with a very simplistic, uh, you know, single drain down the middle and packed clay base. And I never had any issues at all. Um, with the Seth Rayner Design Classic bunker, uh, you know, they're, they're flat bottoms. There's no flashing. So I didn't, I didn't feel the need to, to spend that additional money on a, on a bunker liner. And, and, you know, Jim Urbina obviously understands maintenance um, just as well as any architect out there. And he, he, was, uh, he, was, he was very relieved when I said I didn't want to put liners in them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and why, why change something that's working? I the, mean, if that's the style that's... Yeah. Yep, and I just didn't. I didn't think there was an ROI in our in our design. I didn't think there was an ROI, and um, you know, we knew that the the clay base, the packed clay base, with a with a, a simplistic drain um, would work. So we kept with it. And what do you? I mean, and you're not in an area of the country where you're getting deluges in the summer, no. right? I mean, so no, no. I mean, it's common. It's common rain here, but you know, where it's, it's not a, I wouldn't say that's one of our biggest challenges. I mean, you know, Minneapolis is, is not the hardest place to grow grass. Um, but that's because it's really not that hot and humid for that long. Um, we only have a couple weeks stretch, but you know, as far as rainfall goes, we're not, uh, it's not a biggest, it's not a huge, huge challenge for us as far as being able to maintain the golf course with rain. Had you been involved in a renovation or restoration before this? Uh, nothing to this scale, um, but I had, I had, you know, I'd been, I'd, I've done a an irrigation installation. I've done a complete uh, T reconstruction car path project um, at previous club, but nothing to this scale. Right. Was there anything about this project, looking back on it, that caught you by surprise, good or bad? Um. You know, I guess when you're when you're trying to budget for a design build, um, that becomes very tricky. It becomes tricky to sell that to your your board, um, to your general manager. That you you're creating a budget, but don't expect this budget to be spot on because so many of the decisions are going to be made in the field. Um, and not going through a design build before. Um, it was it was nerve wracking because you know superintendents want to you know we're we're super super good at you know at data and and budgeting and presenting and you know perfectionism and it <laughs> it's hard to, to communicate that look we're going to create a budget but we're going to call it a loose budget well what sure. do you mean we're going to create a loose budget we, what's it going to cost well it can cost this range because we might change it on the fly. Um, there's no change orders in a, in a system like that, but it, it's definitely something that um, if I did it over again, I would feel much more comfortable with the process um, because, you know, in the years leading up to the project, trying to create a budget, um, and we did a fantastic job with, with our contractor, Hartman, of really walking through the logistics of it. And, you know, that's where their 
previous experience with the property was was extremely beneficial um knowing how much excess soil we needed to get away from the green sites and and lowering the t's um to get as many of the costs dialed in as close as we could before we started the project and then we just dealt with the variables sometimes we were over budget in certain things and sometimes we were under and we just you know that that had to be communicated from the get-go um with with the midland board and in the membership right and that's i and understandably from there and that's a weird a weird situation when the when the superintendent who has been giving them numbers down almost to the penny for years is standing there going i'm not really sure exactly and that's you know and it's just it's 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 foreign territory f- for the club to to say okay we're going to do this massive project and we're going to close the golf course and it's going to cost us in this range <laughs> it's right. not how we normally operate anything of our any sort right. of our business right how did you manage um daily maintenance with all of this going on yeah that was a challenge um we started the project on july 20th so at that point in time um you know as, as a as an olive branch we wanted i wanted to keep the golf course open as much as we could um for as long as we could, as long as construction was efficient, we didn't have to deal a whole lot with, with golf. So when we started on July 20th, we started on two greens that we were almost kind of rebuilding from scratch. One of them we did rebuild from scratch. Um, we closed those two greens for a, for a week, and then we closed the we closed the front nine on July 27th. So from July 27th on, the back nine was still open. So we had a, our staff, Midland staff had a, had a large role in the project as far as, um, we did all the green expansion sodding ourselves in house. Oh, wow. Okay. So we, you know, we, we had done some work, some green expansion work in house before, and we knew that it was going to be difficult, but we didn't really know how many people we were going to need when you're, when you're going to sod out of, you know, the first green was completely rebuilt and it was, 7,500 square feet. So how long does it take you to do that? Well, it's hard to, it's hard to say because you're teaching your staff. Um, you got to start at zero. I mean, they've, they've never done it before. So, you know, from July 27th, the front nine's closed. We're still maintaining the back nine for daily play. Um, for a month, we, we ended up getting once construction got, back nine uh we had closed the back nine august 25th so there was a month where we were preparing the back nine for for daily play and you know we were obviously had to mow the front nine um even though construction was going on so i mean logistically um you know you you can plan all you all you want and you can make all these fancy spreadsheets and 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 flow charts but you know (laughs) that's where you really really lean on your lead assistant and, um, you know, our lead assistant, Mark Reese, you know, really had his hands full with, with managing all the logistics of staff. And, you know, you're not only the staff, but a larger than normal staff because, you know, you're, you staff up for a project like this if you can. Sure. What were you at? What were your numbers at? Uh, I think we had a staff. Our, our staff was, was close to, uh, it was probably 25 to 30 Wow. with part-time. So, right. I mean, it's a lot of bodies, you know. Yeah. And then you then you throw in the architect and the shapers, 
and the contractor and subcontractor. I mean, there was times where we had 70 people on site, um, <laughs> which, you know, there's a lot of bodies flying around. Yeah. Um, but fortunately for us, by, you know, we only had a, a month to, to have to worry about the golf course being open. And, you know, you can take advantage of some of those things when the golf course, you know, was closed when we had time. We were doing some agronomic things where, you know, if we felt like going out and airifying a couple holes at a time, um, we didn't have to worry about play. Yeah. And we could kind of yeah. just do it at our leisurely pace when, when, we, when we found time. Um, you know, I had big, big dreams of, you know, heavily overseeding areas and drilling seed here and there. And, and, you know, those things, that was a, a wish, not a want, and it didn't, you know, some of those things just didn't happen, but right, you, sure. you created, you, you know, you created some, some lists of things that you wanted to try to get done when the, when the project was on. But, you know, we were, uh, <laughs> most of the time we were treading water just to, to, to not only just to complete the project, but you know, for us, given our location, winter usually comes hard and fast and heavy. And, uh, you know, you, you're racing to, to beat Halloween, basically. When did you tie up the, finish up the project? Um, I think our last day. So we got this, we got like a freak snowfall um, mid-October. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. We got like five inches of snow and we, right. you know, we had a couple of semis of, of sod that were, delivered that day and we're we're literally you know removing snow with skid loaders so we could lay sod um <laughs> so we <laughs> wow at the end of the project one of the objectives was if we if we operated the project under budget anything that we were under budget we were going to spend on drainage so we were fortunate to to tackle a significant drainage project at the very end after we had kind of finished completing all the infrastructure stuff of the master plan so wow, good for you um I think the last date of drainage installation was like November 15th. I mean, it was, we, we were very fortunate with the weather that it warmed back up after, after it snowed. So, um, yeah, we went all the way, almost all the way to, to Thanksgiving. Wow. Which is not normal for us. Right. I was going to say that's, yeah, that's the over. If you're betting the over under, you that's definitely the way get the over. Yeah. We got, we definitely got lucky. Yeah. And so, and and so, you didn't have a. You have some old greens and old grass and all that, but you don't have a sod farm that would have been big enough for you to to use your own sod to resod these greens, right? You had to go outside and get some grass. No. So when we decided in 2018, when we officially announced that we were going to move forward with the implementation, um, we started to, you know, think about okay, one of the objectives that the membership had, the board had was they wanted the golf course to look consistent from tea to green. So because we weren't going to regrass, um, which we would have had to, you know, stay closed for a full year, we, we wanted to keep everything looking old, right? We wanted it to be that old mixture of, of bent and paw. So we started to, um, expand our chipping greens. Um, we built a 12,000 square foot nursery out of cores, from airification. Um, so we had for greens, for example, we had 30,000, just over 30,000 square feet of, of nursery sod. So all the expansion wow. we did, wow. we sod it out to as close to the same, you know, genetics, biotypes, yeah. um, that, that, uh, that were already out there. As far as rebuilding all the teas go, 
um, we flipped sides. So a lot of the fairways, we didn't need, you know, we didn't need the fairway 25 yards out in front of the tee box. So we harvested that sod off the beginning of the, of the fairway, which was the old bent POA. And once we had constructed a new tee, we brought that grass inside of the tee with it. So, you know, one of the goals of the project was to, to maintain that classic look and not to, to have certain features of the golf course be modern and some not. So right, and that's a lot a- of sod, a lot of sod flipping. A ton of sod flipping. And that's a bad look, too, when you you walk up onto a green and you see this sod that's, you know, pure bent, yeah. uh, bordering up yeah. against, you know, 57 varieties of yeah. of grass yeah. that's 110 years old. Yeah, the aesthetics the aesthetics part of the green, you know, the, the portrait, the face of the portrait, you know, that was, a, that was a big part of we need to do everything we can to keep the greens consistent aesthetically throughout. Um and even the tees, you know, it would have been way cheaper for us to, to sod the tees to, you know, dominant extreme seven, but we didn't, we wanted the, we wanted the look to be consistent. And a big part of this restoration renovation was to, was to not only keep the look of the, the classic feel, but to enhance it. So yeah, we, we spent the extra money to, to, to keep the old grasses throughout. Yeah, that, which, which is, isn't which usual. Is, I mean, everybody in town is yeah. regrassing. <laughs> Your boy Jeff Johnson regrassed at Minicata, right? He did. He did, and I'll tell you, it is it is uh, it's a sexy beast. But <laughs> it wasn't. It, it was not. It was not. Um, it wasn't in our cards to regrass. And you know, unfortunately, because we have been doing so many tree removals over the years, we didn't really have a grass problem. You know, okay. I mean, I yeah. would love to regrass and update um, the genetics out here of the grasses. I mean, that's 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 easy. It's a no-brainer. But we didn't have a grass problem. We didn't. We weren't losing grass every winter. Um, you know, a lot of it is based off of you know, um, you know, shade. So, I, I you know I don't grow grass, so I, I and I understand why you'd want to. Do, I love going out on the old greens and seeing the old, especially in the fall. When stuff, oh, you know, when it gets a little absolutely. patchy and you see these different colors and textures once, and all of that stuff. But once yeah. they start to go into dormancy and you get the shades, you know, you get the yeah. 50 shades of, of, of purple and blues and yeah. it, it's fantastic. Yeah. And again, I'm not maintaining it so I wouldn't have to deal with what that means, you know, yeah. in, a, in a stressful situation, whether that be, you, you know, ice damage or, or uh, you know, drought or eight days in a row of 90 plus, but God, they yep. look good. Yep. Yep. I mean, I guess the one thing that, that I communicated to the, to the committee and the board was, you know, the one thing that we could really gain from regrassing is consistency to, you know, to one of the challenges of growing grass here is that our, our season is so short and, you know, sometimes it takes a while for, for us to kind of get ramped up to, you know, up to speed and, and uh, you know, but again, we, you know, we, we do other things to, uh, to improve playing conditions. And, um, you know, that just wasn't, that, that wasn't really one of our, what they thought was one of our weaknesses was our grasses. Right. And it's good that you discussed it. I mean, I think that's important that yeah. you explain to them yep. why you would change, you yep. know, what the benefits yep. are of changing and what's the reasons for not changing. Yep. And now that, and now that everything is, 
the grassing lines are where they should be and greens are expanded out to fill up the pads. Um, you know, maybe that's the, maybe that's in our future down the road. Um, and if it is, we don't have to do a whole lot other than just regrass. Um, so yeah, it could, it could happen in the future. And what's your goal? I know with weather and all of that, but what's, what's your like official opening date for, for this year? Do you know? So, yeah, I think, um, you know, that was one of the things that we communicated too was, you know, everybody needs to be patient because mother nature's at the wheel here. So depending on how well we heal in the fall of 2020 and, you know, are things going to be firm enough where we're not going to do any damage? Um, potentially we can open right away in the spring. So, you know, we've kind of kept that communication out there, but it's been very loose. It's been, you know, this is what we think that nothing is concrete. Um, but we think that we can open the front nine right away in the spring. So that might be, you know, depending on what, again, what mother nature gives us, you know, typically we're opening master's weekend. Okay. So they'll probably get nine holes. And then it, you know, the, the, the back nine, we were literally, you know, finishing as the snow was falling. So we might need an additional couple of weeks, two, three weeks. It all, right. it all depends right. on the spring weather. Right. So, you know, nobody likes to talk about airification. And, you know, one of the communications of, of the recovery process for us is the more we can airify, the more aggressive we can be with pounding sand, the quicker things will come back to the smoothness that you're all used to. Um, so we might, you know, maybe we try to sneak in airification before we open just yeah. to, again, get another rep of right. of holes and sand and everything. So That would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing the, the photos of it or, and getting a chance to play it once this is done because uh, Jim does some great work and, you know, the bones of some of some very good holes were out there. Yep. yep. But, but there needed to be something needed to be done. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we've, we did a bunch of tours. We did a bunch of membership tours um, during the process. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of people that have been playing golf here for, you know, several decades. And, and when we brought them out and showed them, their eyes were, eyes were big as saucers. They couldn't believe. Um, some of the changes and, and some holes took a lot of earth moving and some took very very little but the way that the shapers um executed it it, it really changed the strategy and and the aesthetics of the holes that's so great yeah, it'll be, it's gonna be fun yeah that's great well listen i want to thank you for spending uh some time with me i've been talking to uh mike manthe from uh, midland hills country club who's just just buttoned up a renovation uh, restoration that will we just talked about will open sometime you know we hope around Masters weekend this year. But thank you for your time, Mike. This is great. Absolutely. It's always a blast talking to you. That concludes today's episode. You have been listening to the Renovation Report on TurfNet Radio.